weekend. If you've got the notes, grab them. We'll jump right into the message. Here is a question. I want you to be honest. Uh, don't be holy. Be honest. Don't be holy. Be honest. You ever have trouble being patient? If I ask it one more time, are you going to get mad at me? You ever have trouble <laughs> being patient? I think it's one of those things that um, a lot of times we're not even aware when we struggle with being impatient, I think a lot of times we just tend to think uh, it's the right reaction to give. Or um, what we've been taught in our lives is that giving the wrong reaction gets what we want from someone. And most of the time it's being very impatient and it's an act of the flesh. Uh, you know, I, I in writing this, um, I always try not to ever point my finger at somebody else. I always try to think about the areas where I struggle with these things. Because when I teach and people go, man, you're pretty passionate about it. I'm passionate because I'm talking to myself mostly. I don't feel so passionate if I'm preaching down to someone. But I feel passionate when I'm saying, God, this is true. And if it's true in me, I know it's true in all of us. I had to make a long distance call this weekend uh, to talk to someone about a situation with my telephone. And I got a person who could not speak English well. You ever had those calls? <laughs> Why are you laughing about that right there? So you know how difficult that is. This poor person is trying to help me, but I cannot understand them, and I'm not sure that they understood me. And over and over and round and round, and I think I got it fixed, and then I have to call back, and I think I got it fixed, and then I have to call back. And four or five times of this, man, I lose it. No one else has ever lost it in this. Be, be, be honest, not holy right now. I didn't justify it. I didn't feel good about it. In fact, when I was done, I felt terrible. I was glad the person didn't say, you know, hey, thanks, pastor, for these words of wisdom. I felt terrible about it. But I just want to know if you ever have trouble being patient. Sometimes, for me, I have patience. Uh, have patient, I have patient pro. How do you say that? <laughs> patient problems? What is that? Impatient. Thank you. God, hurry up. Come on. I've been. Come on. I can be impatient in traffic. Anybody else? So I get my staff together and I just ask them real quickly, where do you struggle? And that was one of the ones that came up with everybody's traffic. Traffic's always one of those ones that can cause you to be impatient. I don't know what it is. It's the sense of entitlement, perhaps. Perhaps we just don't feel like we should have to wait. Perhaps we feel like everybody else is dumb. I read, uh, this was in the paper this week. Do you know the politest place to drive in the United States? Did you read it? Denver. I'm like, is there a Denver, Bangkok I'm unaware of? Because it's not the one that I live in. Because most people don't even know what a signal is here where I live. Impatient in lines. Anybody ever been impatient in a line? And then express that. Sometimes the way we express it is funny too. Most of us have learned that it's not very wise to be verbal, so we're nonverbal with our impatience. 
<laughs> you ever done that one? You ever shake your head? Roll your eyes? I hate it when someone rolls their eyes at me. I hate that. How about this one? Have you ever been impatient with a child? <laughs> Liars. He just <laughs> I didn't ask you if you beat your child. Have you ever been impatient with a child? Maybe somebody else's child. There was VBS here this week. And I came up on the last day of VBS just to see what was going on. And they've got, this weekend at VBS through all of our campuses, more than 500 children will be ministered to. 500. You imagine if you were in charge of 500 of those children. And I was watching these so patient workers work around and just how kind they were and how they kept answering the same question over and over again and how they kept pulling everybody back together. And I, I, I was in awe of it because I know at times, let me be honest with you, let's go serious for a second, of our five, one is special needs. And I've said this for years, man, Here, here's the truth. My best days as a father have come with that kid. And my worst days as a father have come with that kid, where I've just lost my patience. My tolerance was at a low, where he just pushed the right buttons. You ever have a kid that could push the right buttons? <laughs> Maybe you have trouble be with, a, with, a, with a spouse at times. Um, I personally don't, but I know Chris has trouble with, <laughs> with me. You ever had... Problems with patience with a parent, an older parent. You ever had problems with patience at work with a coworker, with a boss, or with a pay situation? Ever have problems with your health? I've gone through in the last, uh, since the heart attack in September, working out has become so crucial to me and not an option but a necessity. So I really got into running and I was up to about 35 miles a week. And that was a normal week. Sometimes I'd push it into the 40s. But my back started hurting like crazy again, like it hasn't for years. And so I've been through three procedures with my back. In the last three months, two rounds of injections and then ablation, if you know what that is. They take a big needle and they heat it with radio frequency and they singe the nerves. And it feels like someone took a chisel and just banged inside of you. And I'm not sure if the pain from the ablation is worse than the nerve pain and that's what convinces you, oh, I'm getting better. <laughs> so they tell you after you heal up, it's supposed to be better, but it hasn't healed yet. And I just feel impatient with that. I keep feeling like, how much longer? How much longer? Why is this happening? See, why is this happening to me again? Why is it happening in the first place? And that, you know, I'm just going to say this one more time. That, that's, that's so minor compared to some of the things that people deal with in health. God, you're back compared to cancer. But it's relative, isn't it? Because to the person who's suffering, you just get impatient with it. How about impatient with an investment? You ever put money into something or time into something or love into something or hope into something and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting 
and you tend to get impatient. We always think of impatience as the person who's honking the horn, but impatience comes in so many ways. Last one, and this one, folks, I'm pointing at me, not at you. You ever been impatient with God? Do you know how many scriptures are in the Bible? Those who wait upon the Lord. What do you think that means? It means that there's an opportunity not to be patient with God. You ever waited on God? Waited for God to move on your behalf or waited for God to give you justice? Waited for God to answer a prayer the way that you want the prayer answered? Waited for God to see it your way? Waited for God to show up? Waited for God to speak? Waited for God to move? Waited for God to touch? You ever been impatient with God? Just honestly. Now, I think sometimes we ask these questions, we're like, I'm embarrassed to, but just look, not holy, real. Have you ever been impatient? When I wrote the message, um, I wanted to try to take you some pace in teaching you about patience. We're, we're teaching about the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and this week, patience. You've probably heard the cliche, patience is a virtue. You know who says that? People who aren't waiting for anything at the time. <laughs> it's true. If you've ever been waiting for something desperately and somebody tells you patience is a virtue, tell me how bad you want to slap that person when they say it doesn't help. It doesn't help. I will tell you before we get done why it's a virtue, but the message isn't really about patience becoming a virtue in our life. I really just want to talk about patience for a minute. So let me give you two definitions of patience. If you've got a pen or a pencil, you might want to write them down because they might be a little bit different than you think. Now, by the way, these are biblical definitions of the idea of complaining. They're not the world's idea of complaining and the world's idea of waiting and the world's idea of being patient. So these are biblical definitions of patience. And the Bible actually has two different definitions for patience, so let me give you the first one. The first one is waiting without complaint. Waiting without complaint. So let me show an example. Jesus waited without complaint. And by the way, the reason I'm just exposing you to the biblical definition of patience is that most of us have developed some kind of a worldly patience at time, but we really don't get biblical patience. And God's trying to work patience out in your life. And I'm going to say this one more time, and I don't, it's funny, but think about this. You ever heard someone say, that's a cliche too. Here's a cliche, never pray for patience because you're praying for a trial. You ever, you ever heard that one right there? And like, like we think to ourselves, okay, so if I don't pray it, then I don't have to go through anything different. How many of you think that God is fooled by our not praying <laughs> about patience? You know, so here, let me just, here, for those of you who have ever raised kids, you've ever raised them. <laughs> just because my kids didn't ask for something they needed didn't mean I gave it to them anyway. So, for instance, man, they, they may not have wanted to put on a coat when it was cold, but they did anyway because it was the right thing to do. And your father loves you enough that even if you don't ask for it, he wants something in your life. So if you think, well, I won't pray for it, so therefore I won't get it, he loves you enough he's going to do it. So a biblical definition of patience, waiting without complaint. Isaiah 53 talks about Jesus. By the way, I love this scripture for this reason. This is prophetic. This is about a thousand years before Jesus ever walked the face of the earth. Now, Jesus is alive. He exists. He's with the Father. He's always, he's always, he's God. He's always been there. But Jesus showed up in the flesh. He was God in the flesh. And so this is what the Bible teaches us real quick 
um, prophetically about something that Jesus did. And then Jesus fulfilled every word of this in all the Gospels. You'll read about it. And it's talking about Jesus standing before Pilate, standing before Herod, and standing before uh, the soldiers. And this is what it says about Jesus. He was oppressed treated harshly, look at this, yet he never said a word. Look at me real quickly. How difficult is it when you are going through it to keep your mouth shut? I don't want holy, I want real right now. How difficult is it to keep your mouth shut when you have to be patient? Because our definition of patience is, all right, I'll do it, but I'm going to complain about it the whole time. And a biblical definition of patience is you're able to wait without complaining, waiting without complaining, nonverbal. So it just simply says he was oppressed. Speaking of Jesus, a thousand years before he was born on this earth, he was oppressed, treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. And that very thing was quoted about Jesus when he stood before Pilate, and Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus didn't open his mouth. And so it gives us a definition of biblical patience. One definition is that we can wait without complaint, without having to make a big deal out of it. Without a, you know, sometimes we wait, but we let everybody know we're waiting. <laughs> so I know you're not like that, but I bet you married someone like that, yes or no. Or you got a kid like that, or you live next to someone like that. Let me give you a higher level so let me say it one more time. All of us are going to wait at some point in life, but usually what we're good at doing is while we wait, we complain. That's like the lowest level of patience. It's not really patience. It's complaining. The first level of learning biblical patience is that you learn to wait without complaint. But let me give you the highest level, and this is what God is trying to work in your life, and this is tough, and you may not even get it. It may go like just over your head, so I'll say it twice, but get this. The highest level of patience is when you learn to wait with expectation. Not just keeping your mouth shut, but now you begin to expect that God's going to show up so you can wait without it killing you. You can wait without complaining. You can wait without just standing there keeping your mouth shut. Now you're waiting because you know God's going to do something on your behalf eventually, and when he does, it's okay. And I just want to ask you real quickly, how good are you at waiting with expectation? Because I'm not. And yet that's the very thing that God wants to teach us. Let me show you two scriptures uh, in the book of Revelation. Most people, when they read the book of Revelation, follow me real quickly, they only see it as a prophetic roadmap for terrible things that are going to happen at the end time. But the book of Revelation is really cool because there's letters written to seven churches in the book of Revelation, and those seven churches represent the seven churches that will be on the earth before Jesus comes back. All churches that love God, that preach Jesus and Him crucified, fall into the category of one of these seven churches. And in these letters, Jesus is writing these letters and speaking to these churches. And in three of these letters, two in particular, he encourages them for doing these things. Look at this right here. It's really interesting. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and then this word and have not grown weary. When you endure and just keep your mouth shut, you can be very weary when you do it. Yes or no? 
But when you learn to endure and not grow weary, you have an expectation. God is going to show up. It's all going to pay off. It's going to be worth it. God is going to reward me for going through this the right way. Let me say it this way. We're all going to have to go through things in our life. How many of you want to go through it the right way? We all do. And how difficult is it to go through the right way? To wait with an expectation. Let me give you another scripture that shows this. I think it's really cool. This is Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. By the way, this is my life verse. In my closet, every morning, every evening, this is framed. It's in front. Of, it's, I cannot get out of my closet without reading this. I stop and I read it to myself to remind me of this promise. And this is what it says. Let us not become, say it with me, weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It's not enough to do good and grow weary. That's not the promise. The promise is, let us not become weary. Let us not complain. Let us not just like, I'll put up with it. Here's what God wants. We're to put up with it with an expectation that God knows what we're going through. I heard some guy say one time, it's like a slingshot, man. You pull it back so far. How many of you ever had a slingshot when you were a kid? You know, today they're illegal, right? Dude, when I was eight and my brothers were seven, we got Daisy Red Rider BB guns. Anybody remember those right there? We used to shoot each other in our room with Daisy. I'm I'm not kidding. Red Rider BB guns. We shoot each other. Shoot each other. And it hurt like you can't believe. But God, it was so fun. It was so fun, man. We would hide behind the bed, and when one would come in, we'd still pop, and it hurt. Oh, it hurt. Today, you can't even get a slingshot. Forgive, I don't know why I went off on that. (laughs) So a slingshot, you pull it back, and depending on how far you pull it back, depends on how far the projectile goes. Do you agree? And so most people, when it comes to patience with God, will let him pull it back about this far, and then they're like, let go now. And you'll go, but you don't go very far. And you don't do near what other people are able to do. Here's waiting with expectation. When you can get in God's slingshot and let him keep pulling it and pulling it and pulling it and not think the devil's in control, but God's in control. The one who can allow it to go on is going to go the farthest when God finally lets it go. And look at me. Here's what the scripture promises. At one point, if you don't get out and tell God no more, you'll go farther than anybody else has ever gone. And that's why most of us don't get the stuff that we go through because we think it's pointless and we think the devil's in charge and we think that someone else is, is getting the best of us and life is just, uh, it's just horrible. And here's the truth of the matter. If you're a believer and you believe God's in control of everything, then even what the devil does, God uses to make you go further in life. And if you don't believe that, so what do you believe? you're the master of your own destiny and fate and that God is some cosmic distant hopefully at the end of it it'll show up and it'll all work out God knows what you're doing where you are and how you're suffering and is not just interested in bailing you out interesting but the person you become during that because it's that person who is useful to God later on that's not easy so there's two Levels of patience. 
There's waiting without complaint, and there's learning to wait with an expectation. And by the way, if you ever look up the word expectation in the Bible, it literally means a person who waits like on the edge of their toes like Jesus is about to show up. We're even told this. The longer it takes for him to return, the more important it is to sit on the edge of our seats with expectation that he's going to. Because the one thing he says that happens to many believers is that they begin to doubt that he's ever going to and their love grows cold as they stand back and think it's never going to happen. I'm trying, man. All right, so two definitions of patience. This, this week's message, I went two definitions, three levels, and four ways. There you go. There's creativity right there. <laughs> Let me give you three levels of patience. I don't know if you ever thought about this before. Three levels of patience. Here's the first one. Patience with a nuisance. Patience with a nuisance. Now, just look at me real quick. Be honest. Not wholly honest. How many of you ever have to deal with a nuisance on a day-to-day basis? Now, be honest with me. Now, we all deal with a nuisance, don't we? Who likes a nuisance? A nuisance is like... Why do I have to put up with this? Why do I have to deal with this? Why is this going on in my life? I pointed this out last week in the last service. I don't know if I said it in any of the others, but I got into it in the last service on Sunday. Let me just talk to you about a nuisance real quick because most of what we call a nuisance is really a first world problem. It's so silly. So then I made a mistake and I said a bad word in the third service. Yeah. How many of you would like to know what that word was? So I'm not telling. Come to me privately and I'd be happy to tell you what I said. My iPhone's not acting right. So I call up Apple and I make an appointment for 3 o'clock and I get there and they're busy and I have to wait till 3.20 and I cannot believe. Lose their salvation over a 20-minute wait over an iPhone and the rest of the world is figuring out how I'm going to eat. My spouse didn't put gas in the car. I need a new spouse. (laughs) It's just one of many nuisances I put up with on a day-to-day basis from this person and I'm sick of it. You laugh about that, but yes... Have you ever seen someone lose it over a nuisance? A nuisance. After Christmas, I took a gift back. And a person in front of me, (laughs) no receipt, no proof, not even a box, hands the thing over and says, I want cash. And the poor person making eight bucks an hour, eight fifty an hour, not the one sitting up in the penthouse making $25 million, but the one that's dealing with all of the complaints. 850 says, listen, I can't give, it's, I, I can't. You have no receipt. There's, not even a, there's nothing on here that even says it came from the store. And quite honestly, it looks like you've had it since Christmas 64. <laughs> but give me my money back. And the lady, here's what the, the lady says, I will give you a store credit for this. And this person began to curse and rile and lose their, and turn. I said, Dan DeMay, you cannot act that way. (laughs) 
Dan DeMay was not the person. <laughs> Nobody go home and tell a story. That's not what happened. But I mean, throw a fit in the scheme of things. Just, just the scheme. So look, it's so easy. I mean, a story like that, we can all think of something. But it's just ourselves. Yeah, we have to wait for anything. They don't get our order the right way. They mess us up at Starbucks. Do you realize the level that we live with in this country, and we consider it, oh, it's, go to the rest of the world. I went to my favorite Chick-fil-A. I'm sorry, Danny. Got the wrong sauce for my wife's salad. Oh, had to drive back over. I was so mad because I had to drive in my Audi five minutes to collect the sauce. God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you are like, I get it, Pastor. That stuff happens to me all the time. <laughs> That's the point. That's the very point. So, all right, here's a thought. So I'm going to give you two more levels, but I just want to point this out to you. If you can't do with a nuisance, if you cannot deal with a nuisance... How will you ever learn to wait on the Lord? You've heard the word patience is a virtue. You want, let me give the way. You want to know why patience is a virtue? Because those who can wait upon the Lord renew their strength, get the answers to their prayers, find the desires of their hearts, and most of us can't go back in line without throwing a fit. And we think we're ready to wait upon the Lord. Are you okay? My name's John, and I'm your pastor, and I'm pointing at me. Second level. Three levels of patience. The first one is just patience with a nuisance, which is usually first world problems we deal with. The second one is just simply patience with boredom. You ever been bored? Let me just talk about boredom here real quick, because I don't know if you ever realized this, but a lot of life is boring. So we live in a time... Uh, it's actually an anomaly on the face of the earth that um, we live in a generation, maybe the last 70 years. I just pointed this out to somebody. It's the only time in history, other than for the extremely less than one hundredth of one percent of the world who was wealthy enough to have what I'm about to say, but we live in a time in the last 70 years when we finally have made enough money that we have free time on our hands. The greatest luxury of living in America is that you have free time. Most people spent their lives from the time they were little kids till they died at early ages working at jobs in the field or in a factory or sold into slavery. The whole idea of leisure time Look at me just real quick. We are products of our culture, and I'm not cursing it, but I'm just saying most of the world never lived like we live today. Most of the world never experienced the idea of 
house. I'm bored. I have nothing to do. And yet many of us do. But let me take boredom to a different, um, a different level. Anything that you commit to do over the long term, like serve God, be married, keep a job, be responsible, take care of your health, there's a boredom factor involved in it, yes or no? It starts out super exciting. Get married, and it's super exciting. Start a new job, super exciting. Pursue some gold, super exciting. But if you're going to do it over the long period of time, uh, how do I explain this to you? Faithfulness is what we do when the fun stops. Let me try it one more time over here. I'm going to come way, way over here out of the light. They'll never see me on the video. Faithfulness is what we do as believers when it's no longer fun to do it. And do you know what God is looking for today? Faithful people. And there is a level that it requires patience to simply be faithful. It's not always fun to be faithful. Moses passed on the fun. This is what the Bible says. He passed on the fun of the moment for the longevity of the blessing of God. Sometimes we just have to be patient in our marriages. Sometimes we have to be patient with a kid over a long period of time. Sometimes we have to be patient with friends. Sometimes we have to be patient with pastors. The ability to remain patient when it's not fun is a key to being successful in life. Because the people who can't quit and run and start so many things, but they never amount to anything. Or maybe a better way to say it is they never achieve anything. You want to know what life is built on? The backs of people who are faithful. You okay? Again, if it's hard to be patient with a nuisance, (laughs) if we can't put up with a nuisance, how do we put up with a 50-year marriage? You're so quiet right now. Am I offending you? I'm not trying to offend anybody. That's, That's not where I'm trying to go. Let me give you the third level of patience. Uh, This is the one, you never have to ask for this one, by the way. God doesn't expect you to seek this out. You're not holy if you go make this happen in your life. This is not what God is looking for. But the third and the final level of patience is patience when you have to suffer. Patience with a nuisance is usually being patient with a first world problem. Patience with boredom is usually what we do when the excitement just simply is not there on a day-to-day basis. And by the way, 
Sometimes excitement is like anything else in life. It's low and it's high and it's low and it's high. But patient when you have to suffer. So let me just say this to you. The most highly developed character any person can have is when you can remain patient when you have to suffer. God is more concerned with your character than with your comfort this afternoon. That doesn't mean that your comfort doesn't matter to him and that he doesn't care about your life being good. But he does care about what it looks like for eternity. And the highest level of patience developed in a person is when they can endure suffering. Suffering's not easy. Again, I'm going to say it to you one more time. You're not holy if you run out of here and look to suffer. You never have to look for suffering. If you're supposed to, it'll find you. You ever learn that? Suffering is hard to do. And suffering in our society in particular, here's what people think today. If you suffer, you've done something wrong. And you can be in some of the worst suffering in life and God loves you. Oh my gosh, he loves you. And sometimes... The only way to know who God really is is to go through something that really hurts and have him love you right in the middle of it. And so we all pray, God, I want to know you. God, I want to know you. God, I want to be closer to you. God, I want to be like Jesus. God, I want to hear your voice. Here's what the Bible says. God is close to the brokenhearted, to the one who suffers. But he stands opposed to the one who operates in pride. Like this. In the middle of suffering, maybe I'll just say this. Again, these are relative issues. Suffering at 25 is different than suffering at 55. And for the person suffering, it's relative. And God doesn't say, well, I'm going to put it on his... God's looking for what's going on inside of you when it's happening. This is different for every one of us. hard to suffer it's hard to hold on when midnight never seems like it's going to turn to dawn it's hard to suffer when you cry out to God and it feels like your prayers bounce off the ceiling hard to suffer when it seems like the devil is the voice that you hear clearly and God seems so far away. There are four ways we develop patience. 
The first one Pastor Dan has taught about numerous times. He's really good at this. He's developed a, um, an understanding of this scripture that I respect. You know, people can teach about different subjects, and it's like from their wheelhouse. And Dan can teach on this in a really good way. Um, the first way we develop patience is just simply trouble. Whether we like it or not, trouble develops patience. James chapter 1, 2 through 4 uh, James writes it this way, uh, my brethren, so he's talking to believers, not to the world, he's talking to believers. So my brothers and sisters, look at, look at these words and just tell me if they make any sense at all. Count it all what? Joy. So one more time, count it all Joy. when you fall into various trials. It's like this dude's living in Colorado in 2017 smoking dope while he wrote this <laughs> thing right here because this makes no, forgive me, but it makes no sense. Don't consider me to be a heretic for saying that. That makes no sense right there. When's the last time you woke up in the middle of trouble and went, thank you, Jesus? No, be honest. How difficult is it right there? So either the guy's delusional or he's learned a secret that most of the church needs to learn to step into and mature into. So my brother encountered all joy when you fall into various trials. Here's why. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces... Produces, and here's what happens when you get patience. If you'll let patience have its work in you. The word perfect there means mature. So here's what it means. When you're in that slingshot, and God's pulling it back, and you're like, I can't stand it one more day, let go of me. If you'll let it have its mature work in you and tell God, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm not letting go of you. I'm going to hang on. Now you're letting something take place in you that most of the world can't do. So let patience have its perfect work that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So just look at me, and you can do this rhetorically. You don't need to respond. But have you ever prayed this prayer? God, I want to be like Jesus. God, I want to grow up. God, I want to be able to handle this. God, God, I want to, I want, I want to achieve the promises. I want the things that are... I, God, I, I'm in it because I really believe it and I want it. If you've ever prayed that prayer, God heard your prayer. And God's not out to hurt you. He's out to fulfill in you the very prayer that you prayed. And if we could ever realize that this is not forever, and that God's not doing this because he's mad or angry or he doesn't care or the devil's in control, but God is developing something in me that the only way I can get there is to go through this. If we can ever just keep our mind on that, anybody that's ever made it through, dude, it's just like I said last week, if you didn't hear the message, Jesus in the storm on the boat. Any storm you can sleep in, you own the storm, and the storm doesn't own you. And how good would it be to go through life owning every storm that comes your way? That's what that is. That's what that's teaching you. So the four ways, and I, I just got to go fast. One is trouble. Uh, two is just simply how you develop patience. Prayer. Prayer is one of those things, if you ever develop a really diligent prayer life, you begin to learn that not everything I pray for happens in 15 minutes. Now, I don't like that, and I wish it wasn't that way, but here's what Jesus taught in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Look at this. Jesus told his disciples a parable 
to show them that they should always pray and so he talks about this woman who needs <laughs> she needs justice from a judge so she keeps going back to the judge night and day answer me give me an answer i need justice and the guy finally says, if I don't answer her, she's going to wear me out. And even though I disagree with her, I'm going to give her what she wants. And then Jesus said, and if that's how an earthly person feels who's not righteous, how do you think God who is righteous and loves you feels when you ask him consistently to answer your prayer? Praying develops a patience in us. Here's just a question, sidebar. How many of us pray once or twice and then never pray again because it doesn't happen? How about this? Four ways we develop patience. How about this one? We develop patience intentionally. Do you know you can develop patience intentionally? Now, some are still dealing with the, and I, I was kind of hoping to get out of it. But intentionally, Paul writes this in Colossians 3.2. Set your minds on things above and not earthly things. Set your minds on things above and not earthly earthly things okay by implication by implication it is possible that we can choose this is what the Bible is saying we can choose to do things that God wants us to do and not do things that the world wants us to do yes or no you can choose to be patient you can actually choose it you can physically, when you feel like just the volcano is ready to go, you can choose to be patient. Do you know that? You can do it. You can make a choice. So you can develop patience intentionally. And then last but not least, how about this one? Four ways we develop patience. The last one was just simply, uh, here's the one. Look, 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 look. I debated not to put this in here because I hate this one. I hate it. I do. I hate it. This is just me. But I put it in there because it's... Good for your good. <laughs> we develop patience by waiting. Nobody likes to wait. Hebrews 6.15. After waiting, I'm going to stop and you say it. After waiting, Abraham received what was promised to him. Maybe most of the promises that God has for you have to come after you learn to wait. Who's excited about that? <laughs> Be honest. Because that does not, I do not like to wait. I like to hurry up and wait. <laughs> this is a true statement. If I have to drive 25 north, I'll go 470 instead, even if it takes longer because my car keeps moving. It gives me the illusion, the illusion of gaining time. But it's actually costing me more time and more wear and tear. And it actually makes me less impatient to have to wait when I choose the easy way. This series is about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, I'm at 510, and I'm supposed to be done right this second, but I'm not. So I'm going to close with this, and I just want you to hear this. 
Galatians chapter 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mercy, gentleness, and self-control. And most people think that means that when the Holy Spirit fills your life, that the fruit of your life will be these things. But right before that, Paul says the works of the flesh are lust, anger, bitterness. And he's not teaching when the devil fills your life, these things will happen. Here's what he's teaching. Your spirit unrenewed and un, under the control of the Holy Spirit will produce the acts of the flesh. But your spirit that's under the control, a renewed spirit, a spirit that's being matured, acts in love, joy, peace, patience. God. So look at me real quick. When we're talking about these things, don't pray this. God, boink my head and give me patience. Here's what God is doing. He is trying to work with the renewed spirit inside of you to bring out patience. This is not some miracle that happens because the Holy Spirit controls your body and you can't help but be patient. This happens because you submit yourself to the Holy Spirit and you mature when you go through things. You learn to love instead of hate. You learn to have peace instead of war. You learn to have joy. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? This is God's will for your life. And that's why the development of these things are necessary. Because none of us get these things. Just because we pray, Jesus, come into my life. I know tons of people, including the pastor, who love Jesus with all of his life and still say bad words from time to time. Anybody else? Ah, like, I need holy... Uh, just right now. Anybody else in here love God but ever say a bad word? Anybody in here love God and ever get angry? Why won't you raise your hand? Why do you make me work so hard for you? <laughs> All, my only proof is just simply this, that just because we're born again doesn't mean these things are instantaneously in our life. We grow into these things. As we allow God to take us through things and learn from them. Israel wouldn't have had to walk around the, more, the mountain in the desert for 40 years if they'd have just learned. They'd have just submitted themselves to God and learned. But 40 years, man, they walked around the desert. A journey that could have taken three weeks took them 40 years. So I wonder how many of us are in our 40th year with Christ, still trying to walk around the desert and learn something. You okay? I'm going to go home and feel like because you didn't agree with me, I was hard on you. I love you. I'm teaching for one reason. I have a duty to present you to Jesus as a mature bride. Do you know that's what it says? I want you to stand before him mature. Not immature. Father, as much as I would love to just pray for our congregation right now, that we just want the miracle of patience. As much as I would like to pray for that, I know in my heart that that's not the way that it works. Count it all joy 
when you fall into various trouble, knowing that making it through the trouble develops patience in you. And when patience has become mature, it makes you a mature believer. Father, rather than run from that and rather than squirm and rather than just say absolutely not, Father, we want to be more like Jesus. And so, God, help us mature. Help us become the people we're supposed to become. Help us, God, to grow up and to exhibit this character so that we can be Jesus to the world because Jesus himself sits in heaven and the only arms and mouth and feet and actions of Jesus on this earth are going to come because believers mature and get it. So help us. Help us. Don't let us be afraid. Don't let us run the other direction. Don't let us give up and quit. Help us, God, because it's worth it. Oh, the joy from being like Jesus. And I pray it in your name. Amen.